Someone threw a bunch of tacks on the road on the trail. Oh, on, so I, I flatted and yeah, I, um, yeah, it's a pretty good story. I was like 10 minutes off the back at one point by the time I got wheels and then, you know, just chased, chased alone all day. And it was that power file actually that, you know, more or less finalized the contract with Trek. G'day legends and welcome back to the Prosody Podcast presented by Swift. Good to be back for another episode, legends. I hope you enjoyed last week's little sciencey episode with Paul Collins. Uh, this week we're back with the professional riders and we're getting a little bit closer to the biggest classics in the world, Flanders and Roubaix. They're coming up. We'll have some special episodes around those uh, when those races appear in a couple of weeks' time. But guys... How about Milano San Remo? How about Vanderpoel? How about Ghana and Pogaccia on the Poggio? Simply amazing. And I have to say, when I was watching them um, go full bananas on the climb and Pogaccia obviously attacking, it wasn't the usual attack we see from Pogaccia. I didn't think it was as uh, vicious as it looked. Usually you see that real out-of-the-saddle punch. Um, and you could kind of tell he was just lacking a touch. But Vanderpoel, wow, he's just a class act. And um, how good does his bike look? He's got that cherry red Canyon. It is an absolute beauty. Canyon, geez, if I had to pick any bike brand to get on the TPR, it's going to be Canyon. But speaking of Vanderpoel, right, and speaking of Zwift, Vanderpoel has been using Zwift for all his warm-ups uh, for the last few weeks. He's using it at Torino and then also his warm-up for Milano San Remo. And, you know, you could be out riding on Zwift and Vanderpoel is next to you pumping out his warm-up. And um, it's quite cool. You can check his profile out and see sort of his warm-up protocol and the what's he's doing to get prepared um, for the big races. So that's something really cool that I love about Zwift is the ability to ride with the professional riders and, um, you know, the OG fans to the podcast will know my very first Zwift ride back in 2016 I think it was I did a race and it was on the London circuit and Mark Cavendish was on the race it was simply amazing 2016 remember Cav 2016 that was when he was riding for uh, Quebec Assos or whatever it was called back then and he took four stages of the tour against Kittle they're having a battle royale but anyway legends I just thought I had to pump up Zwift because we know how much we love them and also they're the presenting partner of the podcast. But anyway, legends, today's guest, okay? Today's guest, well, we stuck. We're sticking with Trek. We went with Trek with Matt uh, Pedersen a couple of weeks ago. We're back with Trek again, this time with a very interesting character, uh, Quinn Simmons from the US. Now, I first started following Quinn when he won the Under-23 World Championships. Now, if you go back and check that out on YouTube or wherever you find it, the last 30Ks, he goes solo, but he was set up beautifully by Magnus Sheffield, and it's really something because you get the scenes of them going up this little kicker, and Magnus Sheffield is putting all the beans in the basket with Quinn in the wheel, and he launches him, and then Quinn goes solo and wins, and I thought, oh, that was a pretty baller way to win, and um, since then, I've sort of always sort of followed him, and uh, I I guess you could say I like the way he races. Let's put it that way. But, um, yeah, we got Quinn on the podcast. Um, you know, he's not a 
big talker. So I did kind of have to work for this one a little bit, Legends, and um, it was about 11.30 at night. So it was a little bit cooked. But this is, um, yeah, there's some interesting stuff in here. Find out a few things about Quinn, uh, what he likes to do off the bike, how he actually got his contract with Trek or a defining moment in that. Um, we talk about McDonald's after racing, um, what he's really interested in in terms of his big race goals for his career, and also a little bit of talk about Torino and Strada Bianchi. But um, yeah, you know, pretty, I think, uh, introverted guy, Quinn, uh, but it was very interesting to talk with him and found out that he's actually got a brother who rides for the Yumbo development team. Very, very interesting. But um, yeah, legends. A couple other things before we get into the episode. Big thanks to Smith. Big thanks to Attacker. And Attacker, by the way, okay, we're going to continue this promotion. Last week, I said the, the best three reviews on uh, on Apple or Google of the podcast will win some Attacker socks. We're going to continue that theme, okay? You can only win once, by the way. So leave a review on the Apple or Google podcast app about the podcast. Tell me your favorite episode, your favorite guest, or maybe um, just tell me who you think we should get on in the review. And uh, the best reviews will win a pair of Attacker socks. I'll get in contact with you and send them away because I've got a whole box of these awesome socks and you guys need to get decked out. And also, Legends, thanks to the Patreons. Of course, we've got two more sign-ups. So good. Jared Anson signed up. My man, Jando. And also Lindy. No last name, but all those guys were treated to a special episode. I dropped the episode, and you can only listen to this if you become a Patreon, so if you've got the means to, jump on board by all means. Um, special episode with the president of the Friends of Roubaix, and they are the organization that look after the Roubaix Cobbles. Um, so when you see those images of all the people working around the cobbles, digging them up, restoring the sections, this is the president of that organisation. I tell you what, there is some really interesting politics that have been uh, sort of running in the background with Roubaix for quite a number of years, and it was almost cancelled back in the day. So if you sign up to the Patreon, that's kind of the stuff that you get involved with, and um, yeah, all this, all the... The cashola goes back into the pod, which, by the way, I need to get a new microphone, so that's going to be coming soon. That's first on my wish list. But anyway, legends, this one is Quinn Simmons from Trek Segafredo. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoy this one. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back for another episode next week. We're getting closer to the classics, so get on the ergo, legends, and enjoy this Tiger. That was the tiger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the story about that? I, I just um, my friend was leaving Girona, and I I just bought everything in his apartment from him. So he died. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I don't know how <laughs> What's it like um living in Europe? How do you find it? Well, it's, it, it works. You know, I, I don't love it, but. You know, it's um, if I have like now a focused race block, I, I don't mind it. But if I ever have, you know, more than three weeks, probably I head home. Yeah. Do you do that every year, like at the end of the season? Yeah, I um, I spend pretty much the whole winter except for the training camp in the U.S. Mm. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys, these Americans trying to make it home over here. I just come to live. And, yeah. Uh, race head back yeah okay 
How was it in uh, at Torino? Was it an enjoyable? Is it a race you can enjoy? Oh <laughs> uh, no, not really. I mean, at this point, we don't really have any races you really enjoy because mm. you're just suffering. So, especially Torino, it's you know we had I think almost thirteen hundred k this week. So well, even even easy days. If you ride easy pace for two hundred twenty k, you still did two twenty that day. So. <laughs> if if it's an easier day on the bike and it's really cold, is that even harder as well? Yeah, especially especially for the guys who don't ride in the cold. You know, I spend I spend the winter in the mountains, so I'm a bit a bit more used to it. But you know, you just have to eat more. And you definitely finish the day and you feel quite a bit more fucked, even if it's just an easy easy day out. You come back in five hours in the cold and you're like, oh, I'm done for today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But what about uh, Strava Bianchi? Like, that seems like a race that could have moments of being pretty fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Strada is, is one of the reasons why it's a goal for me normally is because it's one of the few few races I do like racing. Mm. Especially, you know, the scenery in Tuscany is in a next level compared to what we're used to. You know, I've said it, I've said it before. You know, you race a Tour of Flanders or something and, on the day with the crowds, it's a super nice race, but like you do the recon the week before and the riding is so bad. Like it's not <laughs> enjoyable at all. But you're in Tuscany the week before and you know to go to go ride the Strada route is you know, it's a route I would recommend someone on vacation to go do. Like it's mm. a place where it's actually, you know, enjoyable to be on the bike. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You could probably enjoy it even if you're not having a good day on the bike as well, eh? Yeah, I mean, in the in the race, you know, if you're on a bad day, it's a real it's a real bad place to have a bad day because, you know, in the end, the the gravel kind of is almost over exaggerated. Really, the the difficulty comes from the climbing and the the gradients and the twistiness rather than you know being on the gravel sectors. So hmm. it's a hard place to have a bad day. I haven't looked at any of the the, the tech shots or anything from this year's Strata, but you guys just running normal. Like, what are you running? Thirty mil on? Uh, I do 28s, but they're on quite a wide rim, so they might measure close to 30. But yeah, I use the same 28 tubeless almost all year for everything at this point. Yeah, okay. And when Strata in particular, I mean, you just sort of mentioned it then, the you know, climbing is more the selective part, but the confidence in your own handling ability, that's got to be pretty important. Mainly, I would have thought for the downhill sectors, on yeah. that graph yeah for me it's it's actually quite entertaining to watch how bad some of these guys are at it you know and <laughs> and you know I'm, I'm a bigger guy so already you know the race is a bit on the limit in terms of me for climbing but i can save myself a bit just technique you know when it's steep and loose like that and you see everyone else squirreling around you know you can make up a little bit more just by being good on the bike and like you say in the descent you know there's a few of the downhills on the sectors where I would just see how many guys I could ride through just for fun. Just, <laughs> I had no need to move up, but it was just enjoyable to do. But yeah, I mean, the gravel there, it's easy. You know, it's, it's small, small rocks packed a lot. It's not, it's not even really gravel. Hmm. When I think about gravel cycling and, and yeah, it's gotten so big over the last, you know, four years, I would say, before that, like maybe six or seven, eight years ago, 
the US was in my mind the one the the leading sort of nation for the big gravel events. They were kind of first to have those massive ones like um, you know, Unbound, whatever it was called before, um, and Leadville, etc. When you were younger, because I know you've raced, I think you've raced Leadville a few times, but were you racing those when you were um coming through as an under nineteen? No, I um I actually started on the mountain bike, so I just spent oh. You know, yeah. I was 15, 16, I was on the mountain bike racing, just, um, you know, we had a good U.S. Cup series of mountain bike stuff. And then my first year junior is when I started on the road. Uh, so actually the only one I did of the big ones was my second year junior. I did Leadville I specialized at the time who I was riding for was launching a new bike there and asked if, you know, I'd like to come do it with Howard. Mm. So I had up that, but that was the only one I actually ever did as a junior. Didn't you run second or third? You had a pretty good time, didn't you? Maybe. Yeah, I was second. I, um, someone threw a bunch of tacks on the road or on the trail. Oh, on, so I, I flatted and yeah, I, um, yeah, it's a pretty good story. I was like ten minutes off the back at one point by the time I got wheels, and then you know just chased chased alone all day. And it was that power file actually that you know more or less finalized the contract with Trek. Oh no shit, really. <laughs> yeah, so that race for me will always be, you know, annoying. Annoying that I didn't win as a junior because that would have been pretty cool to win it. But you know, it, it, it helped put me in the world tour, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Do you look at um like do you have ambitions to to ride any of the, the gravel events now, even as a um maybe with track? Yeah, I'd like to, and I think they'd you know like us too as well. I did did Kanza unbound when mm. um my second year with the team yeah yeah and i was supposed to do that fly to tour belgium and then tour de france for the first time and unfortunately i crashed oh, in kansas shit. and then i was out for the tour so then last year the team uh, it's kind of <laughs> strongly not doing it if you're on the tour list which you know it's, it's fair enough yeah it's you know you can't you can't miss the biggest bike race in the world to go go do some graveling but yeah, I'd like to do it, especially you read all these stupid articles of these guys talking about how world tour riders couldn't come do well. It'd be a bit of a, a bit of a fun way to go put on a show, but it would be. It would be. And uh <laughs> I didn't know that you missed out on the on the tour from crashing out. That must have been brutal. Yeah, I had um a flight the next day. I was going straight to Belgium for tour of Belgium and then the week after it was the start of the tour. So now when you you did your first tour de france last year um what was it like when you finished how did you feel and did you feel like when you got you know the next day for example how buckled are you at the end of your first grand tour or your first tour de france um i mean physically through the last week was actually my best week you know i I can handle the load quite well physically it's just Mm -hmm. i think more in your head Huh. three weeks of racing you're ready to be you know out of the circus you know just you know you it's just every day you know hour in the bus race two hours in the bus hotel unpack repack go again hmm. so your head wears down before your body does and then um yeah there's always you know like the team you know, an after party with all the teams after and then i managed to get sick there so the week after the tour was just sitting in the apartment in drona just no, <laughs> like eating shit food and feeling sick so <laughs> it's not not too glamorous oh shit 
what's 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 when you're saying you eat shit food the week after the tour? What is that? What is that? Oh well, the one of the few things I do really like about Girona is just the the cafe. It's been quite Americanized here, so like mm. I can go find myself an eggs Benedict or find some good pancakes or waffles or yeah. Then 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 once breakfast is done, I, I won't mind a you know a Spanish croissant or something from the bakery. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Everything basically everything that you have to you know walk past for for the months beforehand mm. and tell yourself no. Everything you told yourself no, you go and get. Get one or two yeah a lot because for me my my weights you know it's it's harder for me to manage the diet than it is to manage the training because mm. i'm already a bigger guy so i have to be quite careful so mm. a lot of times i tell myself no yeah do you uh does trek have like any kind of um do you guys use like calorie tracking apps or anything like that yeah we have um for the racing there's an app that um you know you can just get your food plan for the day which you know whatever at the end of the day training racing all of it you're just hungry you just spend you just live your life hungry <laughs> so i like the photo i saw this week of um nielsen at maccas did you see that one Quinn? yeah i did yeah I that was um <laughs> after the time trial on the tour so it was a time trial and then the Paris stage. And on the drive to Paris after the time trial, I got the guys to stop the McDonald's. So that was pretty funny to see this picture of Nielsen. But <laughs> what are you what are you ordering, Queen, if you go to McDonald's, mate? Um, honestly, I don't ever go really. So <coughs> there I got after the tour, I got like a McFlurry or something and a double bacon cheeseburger and some fries. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really a fast food person. If I go to binge on something, it'd be like a good diner breakfast. Yeah, man, I'm with you there for sure. I can't even remember what you order at McDonald's, but I would have picked McFlurry if it was anything. But yeah, yeah, send a, send a go a big cap and send. That's definitely, um, yeah, that's definitely the go. Yeah, for me, it'd, I'd be a lot happier with a big, big stack of waffles and some potatoes or something. But oh, yeah, waffles and potatoes. All, all of it. <laughs> okay. Um, outside of cycling, Quinn, what are your um? Do you have any interests that are off the bike? I I really like skiing, uh, ski mountaineering specifically. You know, and then um, I've talked about it a little bit with that being in the Olympics now for the first time in 2026. You know, that's a oh shit a small goal that's been floating around in the back of my head anyways if we can you know make it work with the schedule and mm. anything i just like being in the mountains at home especially when you know there's just no people around and you're just left alone to your your own thing up there i really like it mm. yeah that's pretty nice when, when you say ski mountaineering i don't think i've ever watched that before what, what's involved yeah you basically you know you um it's like kind of like cross country mountain bike racing. You you run up the mountain, you ski down as fast as you can. Oh shit! <coughs> like, are the downhills technical? Yeah, I mean it depends. Um, at the Olympics, it will be on a um, set course on a groom like a slalom. Mm-hmm. But you know, for the World Championships or whatever, it'll be you know quite a technical you know off off the top of a mountain type free ride downhill almost. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Would you would, would track uh, a track like? Do you think they'd be okay with you doing that? I mean, we, I've like joked about it a little bit and talked a little bit, but it's not. You know, it's still three years before we need to really think about it. But you know, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's at the end of the day they pay my salary, so if they say no, it's no. But mm. you know, I, I I've formulated a plan in my head how it would work well with racing. But you know, first first we have you know, a lot of goals on the road bike to focus on first, then we can worry about that in a couple of years. Mm, okay. And when you talk about goals for your own cycling, what are the races that motivate you the most? Like what are the ones you want to win? It was for sure on top of that list. And then yeah. um, looking forward now, I think, you know, the next biggest one for me is, you know, there's still some racing this spring that I want to go well at, but you know, the big, big goal I look towards now would be a stage of the tour. I'll, I'll be stoked. I can win anyway. I don't care. But yeah, I mean, from a break would be for someone like me, the, the most likely, most likely scenario. Mm. When you're in the, when you're in the bunch with, uh, at any race, uh, do you find the other, uh, like, you know, other Americans in the, in the bunch and are you sort of like looking out for each other? Cause I know that a lot of the Aussies do that, uh, often find each other in the bunch and, you know, when there's a moment to just have a few words and, just look out for each other that way, even if you're on different teams. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice when you have you know some other Americans in the race, especially just speak some like normal English. You know, <laughs> when you're speaking when you're speaking to these other guys where English is their second or third language, you know, you have to dumb it down a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, talk yeah. about it. You can't really you know use the same sarcasm and mm -hmm. bullshit that you would do with some Americans. So it, it's super nice when you know you can ride up next to someone and you know. A lot of the pros now from the U.S. I was actually in the same junior team as, so we have a pretty good group already, and you know it's always fun to race with them. Who else is in um, your junior set? Because obviously I remember you and uh, Magnus were obviously a good duo. Who else is in there? Uh, me and Magnus raced together with the national team, and then with our trade team, I was with Kevin Vermark, uh, Sean Quinn. Yeah. Um, I never was in a team with him, but I know Mateo from when we were younger. Step is from Durango, same town as me. Oh, shit. At this point, you know, I've done enough racing with Nielsen and such that, you know, you know him quite well. Oh, and Brandon was also in the same oh, junior team. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few good U.S. riders now, eh? You guys have really, um, yeah, like, it's been quite a good little resurgence. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the six of us who will go to the Worlds, it's, you know, it's it's a good team now. Mm. We currently have, like, six really strong riders, and then, you know, behind them, another group that are, you know, at least coming up. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What team's Kevin on? Uh, DSM. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. Queen, if you're going to ask your question, if you're – if you could take any of those teammates, or actually it could be anyone, if you could draft anyone onto your team to trek, to ride with you in the races that you would be riding, who are you pulling onto your team? I'll take my brother. <laughs> oh, yeah? He rides? Yeah. Yeah, he's in um, Yumbo's Conti team now. Oh, shit. What's his name? Colby Simmons. Colby Simmons. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, so I guess... I guess I got to stay loyal to the family. And if I get one pick, I'm taking my brother. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty good. Is he live in Europe as well? Yeah. He just, um, just arrived today. Actually. He, um, 
Jumbo has housing for him in the Netherlands. So oh, wow. he's there and uh, starts racing in three days, I think. As he uh, has his Dutch. I'm pretty sure it's non-existent, except for oh. a few swear words, maybe. Oh. But. oh, that's always a good challenge. A lot of teams, Jumbo team is pretty, um, well, Dutch-centric. Yeah, but I think, I mean, almost all of them, I think, have to speak pretty good English, so hmm. it works out okay. Have you spent much time, uh, like, what are your sort of language skills like in terms of the European? Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I'm actually dyslexic, so it was really hard for me to even learn English. Like my my English spelling and everything's still terrible. So, oh shit! Yeah, I think the chances of me picking up much of any other language is is pretty much zero. <laughs> oh, okay, tell us about. I've seen this on your Instagram. Is what was with your um, your big ride that you were doing before Strati? Yeah, after Argentina, I came back and um. Me and my friend that I train with just did, you know, a three-day, three-day bike packing trip because, you know, if you have to ride seven hours for three days in a row or whatever, the training would work out to be six and a half. You might as well just go make a nice loop out of it, and you know, not be doing the same roads. And for me, stuff like that helps you stay, stay a bit more mentally fresh, and you know, keep it, keep it feeling more like an adventure because, you know, the training can get pretty, pretty boring if you're doing the same loops, the same roads, at least like that, you can go throw the bikes on the bike and you, know, you still get the hours in, but you just stay, you stay wherever you make it to. Mm. And then yeah, I, I like it. I've done, I've done a few trips like that before and, and you do a lot of long, easy volume, burn a bunch of KJs. And, you know, I've always actually rode quite well after them in terms of, you know, fitness. So mm. it's a good way to do it. Have you ever heard of the trail called the Mundabidi Trail? I have not. No, well, that's in where I live in, in Western Australia, right? And it's it's a purpose-built um, off-road cycling trail, and it's 1,060 kilometres of yeah. just dedicated cycling trail. And it varies because obviously you go through lots of different landscapes. And along the way, there's huts that you can stay in. And then yeah. um, in between the huts... Uh, are like sort of regional small towns, you know, with like a hotel and a pub. That's pretty much it. And so people bike pack the whole thing. You know, they stay in the huts yeah. or they stay in the towns. And, you know, it's just a big bike packing adventure. And, um, yeah, people just chuck the bags on and do the whole thing. It's pretty yeah. sweet. And a lot of people come from the US to to do it because it's very unique. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like exactly you know, kind of what we're looking for. You know, you want to stay stay in some little town that has yeah. like one maybe hotel and like you're lucky to find breakfast. You know, it's yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it's like. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, you can have some absolutely terrible days on the bike, but as long as you get to the <laughs> as long as you get to that pub or that whatever it is, you're um, <laughs> you're golden. Yeah, exactly. Is that your 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 ride? It looked like the three days were pretty cold, mate. Like you're, you're frozen over. <laughs> yeah, we had one day climbed up. One of the nights we spent was at um, it's like twenty seven hundred meters or something. And oh shit, you know it's it's when it is and then it is um February, so mm. we can't can't be too surprised that it's cold in the mountains in February. But yeah, that's uh, okay. I don't mind it. Especially once the sun's out. If you're at altitude and the sun's out, 
you know, it's, it's quite warm, really. It can be zero degrees and feel warm if the sun's out and the air's dry. Hmm. Yeah, okay. It's not like you're in Europe where it's that like gray, gray, four degrees and you're freezing. Yeah. If you've got the direct sun on you, it's different. Yeah. 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 So um, what's your next race that you're going to? I do uh, Vuelta Catalunya starting on Monday. Okay. So that's a pretty tough race. Yeah. I, uh, I actually hadn't looked at it yet until today. And yeah, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's always hard. Eh? Everyone seems to be going. Yeah. Everyone always says like, oh, that's a tough race or this is a tough race. But like, I, I haven't done really an easy race. Yeah, Argentina was easy. But other than that, like in my time as a pro, I don't know if I've done an easy race. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> have, you, um, have you ever been to Australia, by the way? I haven't, no. Cool. Well, hopefully one day you get to come do the uh, Tour Down Under. I think that is an easy race uh, or a fun race. That might be a fun race, judging what all the riders say. Uh, yeah. yeah i'd like to do it um yeah it's hard because everyone the trip's always a month long because then you also stay for cadells and do a bit of a training camp out of it so it's hard it's hard for the classes guys to do it sure and then have a month of that heat and then come straight back but you know if i could if i could fly in and just do uh down under and make it you know a 10-day trip or whatever I'd, I'd actually really like to do it maybe even next year That's another episode of the Press Room Podcast done and dusted. Thanks to Quinn Simmons for coming on the podcast. An absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you to Trek Segafredo. And also, thank you to the sponsors. Zwift, of course, the title sponsor of TPR. Smith Optics, the best sunnies in the game. And Attacker, which, by the way, you can still get 15% off on all Attacker clothes. We're getting into that change of season in Australia. So you definitely want to be... Just uh, thinking about your long sleeves, your base layers, etc., and use the code CR-THEPRESSROOM, all capitals, for 15% off Legends. Thanks to the Patreons as well. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. We've got some big episodes coming up. Little hint, if you're still listening now, um, you want to be looking around the Canyon Shram riders of who we'll be having on next as we get closer to my favourite races in Tour of Flanders and Paris Bay. But legends, I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.